Amen. Well, good morning again, and uh, welcome to Liberty Church. We want to welcome our uh, Facebook family out there, those of you that are joining us online. We're glad to have you with us today also. Well, today we're going to jump right back into our study we began last Sunday entitled Transformed. And uh, if you'll look at that first point on your outline, we just made this declaration together last Sunday. We recognize that we need more, right? We need more than a resolution, right? If we're going to be changed, if we're going to be the people that God has called us to be, then we need more than a resolution. We need real transformation. Uh, we need to be transformed into the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. And what we began to learn last week and what we're going to continue to learn today and uh, into next Sunday is how does that really, that transformation process take place? How do we fully become the person that God is calling us to be? Uh, because uh, resolutions are wonderful and today is, let's see, today is January the 12th and uh, I would dare to say 90% of all January 1 resolutions have now been dead and gone, right? They're probably under the water, out of here, done forgot about them, done left them, done abandoned them. And the reality is resolutions, which are intellectual decisions, are wonderful, but if we want to experience the life God has for us, then we need a spiritual transformation that only happens by the grace and the power of God. And so we begin to talk about how that the best version of you, right, the best version of you and the best version of me uh, is, is not me, it's actually Jesus in me. The best version of me and the best version of you is Christ that is in you. And so how do we take our lives? How do we take the personality that God's given us, the gifts, the talents, the strengths, the life that God has called us to live, and how do we present that unto the Lord so that it becomes the best life that we can live? What ultimately comes down to allowing our hearts to be transformed into the image and likeness of Jesus. Because the best part of me and the best version of me is Jesus that lives in me. And when Christ begins to express himself through my life, right? How many know that Jesus actually made you the way he made you, your personality, your gifts, your talents, your abilities, and he doesn't want to squash that. He wants to enhance that with the fullness of his glory because the best version of you is Jesus in you. Now, uh, I made a statement last week. I want to just reiterate this, and that is simply this. God does not want to clean us up, right? God's goal is not to clean you up. God's goal is not to make a better version of the sinful you you. God's goal is to transform us into a new creation. And I, I've shared this story, this illustration before, but I want to just reiterate it this morning. So here's a little question I want to ask you. How long does a human being have to act like a dog before he becomes a dog? How long does a human being have to act like a dog before he becomes a dog? I mean, let's think about it. If he just decided that he's going to bark like a dog and he's going to walk on all four and he's going to eat out of a bowl and he's going to live his life like a dog, how long does a person have to act like a dog before they ever become a dog? Well, the answer to that question is never, right? They can never become a dog because there's only one way to be a dog. You've got to be born one. And there's only one way to be a Christian. You've got to be born again. So you can act like a Christian, you can talk like a Christian, you can go to church like a Christian, you can pray like a Christian, you can read your Bible like a Christian, you can do good deeds like a Christian. But Jesus said in John chapter 3, unless you are born again, you're not a Christian. Unless you are born again in the image and likeness of Jesus Christ, you're just a person acting like a Christian, but you'll never be a Christian until you are born again. There has to be a spiritual transformation that takes place on the inside of you. It's not enough for you to be a good person. It's not enough for you to be moral. It's not enough for you to be kind. It's not enough for you to be good. It's not enough for you to be compassionate. It's not enough for you to look like Jesus. God wants you to be transformed 
transformed into the image and likeness of Jesus. It's not enough to do the things that Christians do. We have to be born again. Because the only way a dog can be a dog is he has to be born one. And the only way a Christian can be a Christian is you have to be born again. That's why we say here at Liberty a whole lot. We say that salvation is not an intellectual decision. Salvation is a spiritual decision that comes by faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And anything else other than that is a religious facade that will ultimately keep you, bring you to a place of standing before God and hearing God say, Depart from me, you worker of iniquity, because I never knew you. We have one hope in this world, and his name is Jesus. And it is only by faith in him that any of us can be saved. John chapter 3, we looked at it last week. I'm going to just reread two verses, verse 6 and 7. Jesus said, humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. Transformation begins there. It begins at salvation. But how many of you recognize today, if you've been saved for more than a day, you probably already recognize this. Salvation is the beginning of the transformation. It's not the end of the transformation. God is still working on me. Amen, the little kid's song, he's still working on me to make me what I should be. Took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, but he is still working on me. It is that sanctification process where we are daily becoming more and more and more like Jesus. Amen. So look at that next point on your outline. So we said that we are transformed in the image and likeness of Jesus. Really three ways that we're going to look at together. Through the revelation of Christ, we talked about that last week. We're going to revisit that real quick this morning. Through the renewing of our minds, that's where we're going to kind of drill down on today. And then through the crucifixion of our flesh, we're going to talk about that next week. So last week, we recognized that it's through the revelation of Christ. It's Christ revealed to us through the person of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, no man can come to me unless the Father who sent me draw them. And Jesus said the way God draws them is through the Holy Spirit. He said, when I send the Spirit, the Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And he's going to draw all men unto me. And so we recognize it's that revelation of Christ that brings the transformation of salvation. But then we recognize that we are continually transformed into the image and likeness of Jesus as we see him. And the more clearly we see him, the more clearly we become who he is. So let's look at our scripture real quick uh, out of uh, the book of Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. It says, for the Lord is the spirit and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom or liberty. So all of us who have had the veil removed, and if you remember last week, we read the previous scriptures, that says the only way the veil can be removed from your eyes is that you have to turn to and believe in Jesus Christ. And when you turn to and believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your only hope of salvation, then and only then is that veil removed where Jesus said in John 3, and then you can see the kingdom of God. Unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom, he said. And then he said, unless you're born again, you can't enter into the kingdom. So the kingdom of God is off limits unless you have been born again. So that spiritual transformation gives you access to enter into and gives you the eyes to see what God has for me and you. And so he goes on and says, so those who've had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord and and the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like him. There's that continual transformation, more and more like him. It's not all happened in one day. There's a spiritual birth that happens in a day. I'm born again in one moment, but from that moment on, then I begin 
begin to grow in maturity to become more and more and more like Jesus. And then it says, and we are changed, literally transformed into his glorious image. So we recognize that we reflect what we see, we become what we behold, right? We reflect what we see. The more clearly we see him, the more clearly we can reflect him. And the more we behold him, the more we become like him. And so as we see him, we are changed, and we become more and more like Christ. And so we talked about the importance of intimacy brings clarity. Why is prayer, fasting, and giving so important? Why is it important that we have worship in the Word? Why is it important that you have a daily devotional life? Why is it important that we're pressing in to know the Lord? Why are we crucifying our flesh, saying no to our carnal carnal appetites so that we can know God more deeply? Because intimacy brings clarity. It begins to strip away, right? The Holy Spirit refines our heart. He reaches in, removes those things that blind us. Let's just be real honest in this room today. We all have blinders on. There are still areas in our lives that we do not see clearly. There are still areas in our lives that we ain't got it all figured out yet. And so the realization is, is we need that intimate relationship with the Lord because the more intimate we are, the more clarity we get, and through that clarity comes the revelation of Christ which brings transformation to our hearts and our lives. Amen? Y'all still with me? Everybody good this morning? All right, look at that next point. Let's go where we're going to go today. So we are transformed into the image and likeness of Jesus through the renewing of our minds. This is such a great study. I'm excited about the Word of the Lord. I'm going to share something with you today I've never shared and never seen in Scripture till this last week. It's so excited. I'm good. Y'all ready? I'm fired up. Y'all fired up? Y'all sound real fired up. Y'all fired up? Come on. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 says, So dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. That's what we just sung about this morning. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. The kind that he will find acceptable. For this is truly the way to worship him. You really want to worship God? Then offer your life as a living sacrifice to him. Give God your life every day. God, my my life is your life. What I have, what I own, who I am is yours, God. Use me, pour me out, take me, do whatever you want to do with me today, God. I am yours. That's true worship. Offering our daily lives, body, soul, and spirit unto the Lord. Now look at verse 2. And he says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. King James says, don't be conformed to the world. But let God transform. There's the word metamorphos in the Greek. We get our word metamorphosis, caterpillar to butterfly. Let God transform you into a new person. How? By changing the way you think. How's God going to transform us? How are we going to be metamorphosized into this new person God has called us to be? We have to change the way we think. King James says, by renewing your mind, you've got to change the way you think. Look at that next part. And then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Let me just say it to you like this. The degree that we are renewed in our minds is the degree that we will know and do the will of God. We learn His will as we are changed by the renewing of our mind. So let me give you a couple thoughts right here. Do not be conformed to this world. Do not copy the behaviors and customs of this world. The world wants to conform us into its image. If you don't believe me, just watch the news, 
watch talk television, watch social media, and everything that you see that is bombarded at us is an image of the world that is trying to conform us into its likeness. If you'll act like me, you'll be happy. If you look like me, you'll be happy. If you drive this, you'll be happy. If you do this, you'll be powerful. If you do this, you'll be successful. If you do this, you'll be healthy. If you do this, you'll be important. If you do this, you'll be loved. If you do this, you'll have power. And all the time, we are daily being bombarded with ideas, thoughts, and images that are trying to conform us into the image and likeness of the world. And so I want you to understand something. God does not want to conform us. God wants to transform us into his image. And let me give you a great illustration of what that looks like. What's the difference between being conformed and being transformed? Well, if you've ever been to the beach or you've ever taken your kids or grandkids to the playground to play in the sandbox... They make these little sand molds, right? It looks like a starfish, and you fill it up with sand, and you flip it over, and you pull it off, and there's a starfish. And it's like, oh, man, look at that starfish, right? You know what you just did with that starfish? You just conformed sand into the image of a starfish. But how many of you know it's not a starfish? It looks like a starfish, but it's not a starfish, It has the shape of a starfish, the design of a starfish. You could even paint it up. I mean, there's some amazing sand creations. I don't know if you've ever Googled any of that stuff. There's some amazing sand castles, sand creations out there. I mean, it looks like something I'd want to live in. They build these amazing sand castles. But guess what? You can't live in it. You know why? It is not a house. It's not a starfish. It is sand conformed into an image to look like something that it's not really. The world wants to conform us. Religion is about conformity. If you'll act like this and talk like this and walk like this and do this, then you'll be religious. I want to tell you something. Jesus is not religious. He is righteous. And he calls us into a right relationship with God. And so God is not trying to conform you. You know what our prison systems is all about? It's about conformity. Let's conform you. We're going to make you do the right thing with hopes that when you get out of doing the right thing in a prison cell for 20 years, you're going to keep on doing the right thing. But how many of you know statistically that doesn't work? Over 90% of the people in prison are repeat offenders. Why? Because being conformed to obedience for five years does not produce transformation. You can make me do the right thing over and 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 over again. And I might know how to do it, and I might know how to do it well, and I might know how to do it better than you know how to do it, but unless my heart is changed, I'm not changed. The world wants to conform us. And every day we're being pressed into a mold, pressed into a mold, look like this, walk like this, talk like this, drive this, go here, do that, act like this, this is what you're, and all the time we're being conformed into this image, but God wants to metamorphosize us, transform us into the image and likeness of Jesus. And so when we talk today about renewing our minds and changing the way we think, I want you to understand what we're not talking about. We're not talking about positive thinking. We're not talking about mind over matter. And we're not even talking about education. Education's awesome, right? We need to be educated. But what we are talking about is a spiritual metamorphosis that changes a caterpillar to a butterfly. And we said this last week, once a caterpillar becomes a butterfly, a butterfly can never be a caterpillar. He can't be a caterpillar because he is a new Creation.
Caterpillars transform into butterflies. Butterflies never transform back to caterpillars. Education is good, and it'll make you look like a butterfly. Positive thinking is good. It'll make you look like a butterfly. Mind over matter. I believe there's some power in that right there. That'll make you look like a butterfly. And you'll have wings that are fake. You'll be painted up really pretty. And you might even buff up and get in shape. But at the end of the day, you're a caterpillar in a butterfly outfit. You are not a butterfly. Because it is not just mind over matter. It is not just positive thinking. It is not just education. It is transformation that happens through the power of the Holy Spirit that changes us into a new creation so that I never go back to being what I used to be. Can I still sin and come short of the glory of God? Yes. Can I still mess it up and blow it up? Yes. But can I ever be what I used to be? Absolutely not, because I'm not that person anymore. I am not that person anymore. And one of the greatest testimonies we have at our church, because we're a church, we love broken, hurting people, and the more, best, the more messed up you are, the more I want you, because I love what God does with messed up people. God makes us beautiful, amen? And I love it when people look at people and they say, man, I would have never known five years ago they were a drug addict. I would have never known that three years ago they were doing that. I would have never known that they did this a week ago or a month ago or last six months ago. They don't even look like that. I can't even imagine. I hear those testimonies. I can't even imagine them being like that. You know why you can't imagine it? Because that's not who they are anymore. They have been transformed into a new creation by the power of God. So let's talk about this renewing our mind thing. How does this really, really work? So look at that next point. So we are renewed in our minds to the degree that we repent. Repent is an awesome word. <laughs> we we kind of have this idea, oh, when people start talking about repent, 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 that seems like, man, we're being judgmental and critical and judgmental and hateful toward people telling people to repent. No, repent is probably one of the most wonderful words in the English language. <laughs> because what we're going to see today is repentance is key. The word repent, let me give you this. The word repent, typically when we say, what does the word repent mean? Most people means the word, think the word repent means to change directions. That's not, that do, it does not mean change direction. The word repent literally means to change your mind. Now, we all know in this room that if you change your mind, you'll change your direction. But until you change your mind, a change of direction doesn't mean anything. Until you change your mind, a change of direction might mean you're lost. But when you change your mind, it will change the direction of your life. It'll change the course of your life. So the Bible says repent. Change the way you think. So look at this thought right here. So we are going to be renewed in our minds to the degree that we repent. The revelations of Christ that come through the Holy Spirit and by the Word of God are conditional. I want you to hear that. They are conditional. 
Every time you get a revelation of Christ, because really that's ultimately how we're changed. We get those revelations of Christ through the Holy Spirit. We get revelations of Christ through the Word. We get revelations of Christ through life and through other people. I mean, how many times have we seen the Lord as God spoke to us and ministered to us and transformed us through all kinds of circumstances and situations? But this is what you've got to understand. Every revelation of Christ that you receive is conditional based on what you do with it. Because we said this last Sunday, many of us received the revelation of Christ that he was the Savior of the world and the only hope that we could have to go to heaven as young people, but guess what we did with that revelation? We rejected it. We knew in our hearts he was the only way, but we just didn't want to go that way. Come on, somebody. We we knew he was the only way, we just didn't want to go that way. And so we had this revelation There was no doubt the Holy Spirit revealed Jesus to us. We come to that place of conversion, that valley of decision that the Bible talks about in the Old Testament, and all of a sudden, instead of receiving that revelation and repenting of our sin, we rejected Christ. And we just pushed it back, and we just pushed it back, and we just pushed it back. How many of you know that that doesn't stop? That process still happens even after you get saved. How many times have you got a revelation as a Christian, you shouldn't go there? And you went. You shouldn't say that, and you said it. You shouldn't do that, and you did it. Give that, and you held on to it. (laughs) Serve there, and you said, I don't have time. How many times have we got revelations from the Lord about what God wanted us to do, and we rejected it instead of repented? That's the right word. I want you to say this, repenting. We have to change the way we think. So repentance, changing the way we think, and literally changing what we believe is, listen to this, it is required, it is required for continual transformation. And I skipped a whole point on the outline for all you outline takers out there, didn't I? Everybody's like freaking out. I just realized that. I'm sorry. Like, oh my gosh, he skipped the whole line. All right. Let me talk right here, and then we're going to go back and get that last line, okay? Y'all with me? Let's go ahead and grab it. Let's go back. You going to back up for me, Nathan, up there and help me? So let's look at this previous point. (laughs) So our thoughts control our emotions, our decisions, our actions, and our attitude. You are who you think you are until you change how you think. You will never change. And here's key. This is what I want you to see is our thoughts are our beliefs and what we believe controls everything. See, what you think is really what you believe. Now, not just every stray thought, but the consistent thoughts that you think are really the belief system that you live by. And your thoughts slash your beliefs control everything. They control your emotions. Think about it like this. When you see certain people, what you think about that person determines how you feel toward them, right? Some people, you see them, and you think good thoughts, and you feel warm, fuzzy things. Some people, you see see them, and you feel not-so-warm thoughts. You think not-so-warm thoughts, and you feel not-so-warm feelings toward them. As a matter of fact, sometimes you want to choke them and maybe do something worse than that. Y'all still with me? Y'all in the room, right? I'm talking to the right people this morning. See, your, your, your thoughts control your emotions. What you feel is a reflection of what you think. If you're constantly in a dark place of depression and despair, it's because that's where your thoughts are. If you're constantly in a place of anxiety and fear, that's where your thoughts are. If you're in a place of joy and happiness, that's where your thoughts are. 
That's why the Bible says, choose you this day whom you'll serve. And that's why the Bible says, set our minds on things above. Because we have an opportunity. You get to choose the way you think. Amen? Your thoughts are your choice. The devil would tell you, well, you can't help what you think about. He's a liar. You can help what you think about. You can. You have control over your thoughts. Now, you might have to battle for your thoughts, and you might have to fight for those thoughts, and you might have to take those thoughts captive and make them obedient to Jesus Christ. But at the end of the day, you have authority over the thoughts that you think. You can cast them down, or you can embrace them. So your thoughts control your emotions, your thoughts control your actions, your thoughts control your decisions, your thoughts control your attitude. Everything about your life is a reflection of your thoughts. The choices you make are based on your thoughts. What you think, listen to this, how you think about money determines every financial decision you make. What you think about relationships determine every relational decision you make. What you think about God determines every God decision you make. Because your thoughts control your decisions. Your thoughts control your attitude. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing? You can be in this great place and get one thought, I mean one text, and your thoughts go south and you go from having the best day of your life to having the worst day of your life. Because you know what changed? Your mind did. You went from thinking about something that was giving you life to thinking about something now that was discouraging your heart, and all of a sudden your attitude went from way up here, I can conquer the world, to way down here, oh my gosh, woe is me, what's ever going to happen? Why? Because your thoughts control everything. And so here's the key, I want you to say this, your thoughts are your beliefs, that's huge. What you consistently think about people, about God, and about yourself is really the belief system of your life. And what you believe about yourself, what you believe about God, and what you believe about other people, what you believe about money, what you believe about church, what you believe about ministry, what you believe about life, what you believe about your job, what you believe about your car, what you believe, I mean, about your kids, everything. What you believe controls how you live your life because your beliefs are the accumulation of your consistent thoughts. And what I think consistently becomes what I believe about myself, others, and God. So when God says you can only be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by changing the way you think, he takes us into this place that allows us access into the very innermost recesses of our soul to grab hold of the key that really unlocks everything. Because until you change the way you think, nothing changes, right? Nothing changes. So, let's go back to that next point. So we're renewed to the degree that we repent. The revelation of Christ that comes through the Holy Spirit and the Word of God is conditional. Repentance is required for continual transformation. See, to repent, I want you to see this. To repent, you really have to start with confession. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. The word confess literally means to say what God says or to agree with him. To agree with God. So when I confess my sin, you know what I'm really doing? I'm agreeing with God that what I'm doing is sin. 